You're tuned to listener-sponsored non-commercial Pacifica Radio, WBAI New York. The views in the upcoming program are not necessarily the views of management or other producers at this free speech radio station. This is WBAI New York. That sound, that sound about right. Uh huh. Yeah. No, you ain't, you ain't never said a lot. You ain't told a lot. Yeah. Uh. Everybody wanna be an athlete. athlete. Everybody wanna rap on beats. Rap on beats. Everybody wanna eat watermelon and fried chicken. Sorry, it's the black thing. Yeah. Everybody wanna hit after me. After me. Watch your back, cause they got to me. Got different women up in my living room trying to measure me. Maybe it's a black thing. Yeah. Don't subtweet at me. At we me. was kicking freestyles in the backseat. Back seat. Did your classrooms like a gladly? You were buying sale drugs in the alley. Yeah. Finally got a pot of Working overtime, and you can tell if you listen. I don't want to find no divine division. I be getting high, it's a black thing. It's a black, yeah. thing. black shots to Shinaki. I be on new, so they copy the debauchery. Go ahead, then watch me. Don't watch TV. Don't watch TV. You can get it all on CD. Vinyl was homicidal. Every time you at my recital, I will serve you like appetizers. You should know I'm your idol. I'm your idol now. Grew up in the West. Pop a dog pounding jigger. Everybody want to be black. Don't nobody want to be a n. Uh, feel like Malcolm X. Outside my window, everybody wanna be black, but don't nobody wanna be in. Uh, everybody trying to get dressed, but they ain't African. All the light girls getting the tan so they can darken their skin. I'm sorry, it's a black thing. I don't give, yeah, I said, said, keep the rhetoric. Everybody wanna design something for Louis Vuitton, baby, it's a black thing. Blacked out in the backseat of the black Jeep, listening to black by me. You can catch me a taste of soul, eating on gumbo with the black eyed peas. Black on, black on, black. I'm back on, back on track, my black owned. If you ain't in it, you can't say me. It's a black thing. It's a black thing. Spike Lee, do the right thing. Uh, don't step on my Nikes, just got these. Go roll for the neck piece. Yup, I'm a white tee. Well, you wanna be just like me, huh? Do the police wanna lock me up? Chevy on Creek, black Air Force once. What it's gonna be, what it's gonna be, you can ask about me. Grew up in the West. Pop a dog pounding jigger. Everybody wanna be black. Don't nobody wanna be a Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to another episode of Black Seinfeld, the show about nothing. Absolutely nothing. Black History Month, Black Seinfeld, Black Tings, all black everything. Um, in the words of Dr. Umar, if you white, stop listening. This is not for you. This is for black people today. This is for this is for black people for the month. Now nah, I'm joking. I'm, I'm joking. Don't don't take my word for that. I don't subscribe to everything Dr. Umar says. Right, Bastion? No, you don't. No, I won't allow you to. No, no, we do not. That was just a joke. That was just a meme. Dr. Umar to us is a meme. All right. We only like 5% of what he says. But anyways, it's the Trinidadian, the Panamanian poppy, the rude boy, top gunner, black Jesus, black Messiah, black, all black, everything. It's Giovanni Anglin. What's going on, people? Yo, yo, what's going on? It's Bastion Nissa, a.k.a. snubbed by the Golden Globes for Best Supporting Co-Host, live from Queens, Geo is in Brooklyn. <laughs> what's going on? Oh, that was a pretty good one. You never have any AKAs, so that was that This was is nice. my third AKA in a row. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah, your 2020 presidential candidate. That's true. That was last year, bro. You, ain't, you never pay attention. I see you. That's not true. You should have said your 2021 mayoral candidate or something too not interested in running for mayor 
of New York City. Uh, it's too much drama. I don't think they'll we'll ever have a good mayor. That's not true. I don't think so. I I really don't think so. Because there's too many levels of what you need to provide and what you need to organize and who you need to, like, stop. Because each, like, I feel like each industry within New York City has its own juggernaut. And as a mayor, you have to deal with that juggernaut. So you got to deal with the MTA, you got to handle it. You got to deal with the firefighters, handle it. Police, handle it. Like, it's so layered. I don't know. It looks very difficult, especially in New York City. The real estate people. You know what I mean? Like you, you want to deal with that? The rent's going up. Well, there's actually a story about the rent going down and the landlords being in serious debt because one, they can't, they can't do any evictions yet due to the pandemic, and two, a lot of these gentrifiers are actually leaving New York City because they can't pay the rent anymore. They can't pay this high rent because they don't have any jobs. So that's the thing now. Now these landlords are losing out on millions of dollars because they keep flipping these apartments in which, you know, they try to stifle out the people that's been living in these neighborhoods for the longest, i.e. the poor and disenfranchised, basically black people, black people and Latinos. They've been trying to stifle them out so they could bring in all these white people for the gentrification process to begin. But since we in a panoramic, that's slowing down and with job loss, I know you've seen what happened in summer 2020. We have an increase of violence and all that stuff, too. So, you know, not not many people want to come here to New York because, like I said before, we are trying to keep New York grimy again. Y'all are getting too complacent. Y'all were getting too comfortable out here. We just had to remind y'all just to let you know. The Warriors yeah. was out here in the 70s. Let's not forget about the Warriors, okay? Back in, back in the 70s and the 80s and 90s, Times Square was ruthless. It was wild out there, all right? There were, like, sex shops and stuff there for, like, 20 cents. There was, like, 25-cent peep shows and all that. And that's the New York we remember. Nasty. Absolutely, and it was beautiful. We definitely don't remember that. No, I don't. But, hey, there are still, like, a few of those, like, sex shops in Times Square left. Not so many. I'd say like two I can think of off rip, but it used to be full of them. And then, you know, Giuliani and stuff cleaned all that out. I don't think, yeah, that, there's like a positive and negative to that. I do know Giuliani is like a terrible mayor as well, but it's like you have to clean up these type of activities. Because I'm pretty sure in the same street, they had a lot of pimps and, you know, it, it was just pretty bad. A lot of hustlers and stuff, but that's that's the New York nature within us. We hustle. That's what we do. I'm not saying it was right and legal, but... It's that, a hustler mentality. It's a hustler's mentality. Like like we talked about some other time ago about hustling chocolates. You know what I'm saying? That's what we used to do as children. Yeah. And also, like, at even further back... No, I think at the same time, Harlem was a very... For, like, black people, it was a, it was a big hub at the time. It no is. longer a hub. <laughs> In the same way. Right. That's fair. Yeah, it's an imaginary hub for cartoon shows and comic books to kind of create this, like, uh, this energy at Harlem is, like, number one. The blackmosphere, I like to call it, it. You probably didn't know, but in the new Spider-Man game, um, Spider-Man is in Harlem. Miles, Miles Morales, Morales you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. He's no, he's not in Brooklyn. He's, he's, like, born and raised in Harlem. Wait, what? Bro, you know why? Because Harlem's the blackmosphere? No, because you have to have Spider-Man swinging in Manhattan. 
like what you're gonna swing through brooklyn that's, yes that's right nah. we got buildings now you don't see the buildings you come around here bashing it's not like you don't see you, these you're, buildings. you're saying it like there's a building every corner dude it's no, local it's not in Queens. every corner once you get to the end of brooklyn that's where you see the buildings you're, you're tripping and also it's not skyscrapers you're not swinging through brooklyn the same way you we have, have some. if you played any spider-man games ever it has to be sky, skyscrapers. We have some skyscrapers here. There might not be Manhattan skyscrapers, but, you know, we got tall buildings, all right? If there's not one on the left and one on the right, you ain't swingable. Well, listen, we still have trees here, okay? All right, sure. Enjoy your planted trees. Exactly. Some, sometimes over in Manhattan, they forget what the color green looks like. We, don't have, we have that luxury here in Brooklyn where we get to see green sometimes. They just got to go to uh, the center of Manhattan, and there you go, Central Park. You mean the Seneca Village, which what the white man did, they took away the black man's village. They took away the, the town that former slaves used to used to inhabit at, and then they kicked them out and they created a park, right? Because this is Black History Month, and we're giving you black knowledge. That's where the green's at. And first the things knowledge. first, one thing I did not appreciate is in New York, the first day of Black History Month, we had white snow. How does that sound? How does that look? Black History Month, first day, white two snow. Feet of, two feet of snow. Two feet at that. This winter, 2021, has been super disrespectful. No, I think it hasn't been that bad compared to, like, our younger years in terms of winter. It's just been, like, constant snowstorm after snowstorm. But for the past, like, three, five years, it hasn't been that bad. I'm not talking about snowstorm. I'm talking about cold winter i know winter wise it's not that disrespectful no this has been super disrespectful and i have a theory as to why last year winter was nothing winter was fairly warm and abnormal no no snow wise but also temperature wise this past week it's been cold it's been disrespectful this week last week the week after is going to be disrespectful too so what i'm saying is Last year, 2020, it wasn't that cold at all. Like, it was in the 40s, 50s even. You probably, we even had one day where it was like 70 in the middle of February, right? And I have a reason as to why. This is my little theory. This is my little take. Everyone was outside, right? Everyone was still outside. Everyone was still doing what they did. Everyone is still contributing to pollution right and then the panorama happened or or the pandemic happened everyone was forced to be inside the earth was able to get a little cleaner now so with the earth being able to get a little cleaner now maybe the earth was able to replenish itself and have the seasons act like the normal seasons again nature is fixing itself nature is, is na- nature is nature sort is of healing. fixing that's a term. Nature is healing. Nature is healing itself. So that's why this winter around, everything is getting colder again. See, it's all in the mathematics, King. It's all in the stars. It's all in the pyramids. It's all in the hieroglyphics. I don't know. I read the 120 laws of power, and I did not see that, you know, in the four to five percenters. So I'm not sure. I didn't really see much of uh, the earth is healing. But there's 360 degrees of knowledge. And Gio, you're 100% knowledge. All right, let's get it. Let, let's get into... Wait, uh, I want to ask how, how you were doing, though. I'm doing, I'm doing exactly the same. If anything, time has been... If, it, if my 
track of time is very, very strange because I will use the capital as like something that happened January 6th, a month ago. It feels like a couple months ago, right? But we Does had it? this episode. My Sundays come up really quick. My Wednesdays come up pretty quick. I don't know. Time is moving extremely fast and slow at the same time for me. That's the one that doesn't go outside anymore. Mm. So, I guess yeah. for me, it feels opposite. It just feels like everything has gone fast. Like, it does feel like it was only a month ago to me that the insurrection did happen. Like, it feels that it feels that long ago. You know, it doesn't feel like we've been living, for me at least, we've been living in 2020 Part 2. Because, personally, Black Seinfeld's 2021 has been amazing so far. We've been doing a lot this 2021. And it's going to be really, really huge. And it's going to be really, really awesome. Yeah, kind of keep it consistent. But yeah, it, uh, how you been? Like, like I said, time has been exactly the same, very consistent, fast and slow. So nothing much has changed for me. Yeah, time has been regular for me. It just feels like everything is definitely going faster, though. Time, time for me is weird. It's it hasn't slowed down since. Everything is moving quickly. I mean. It's already Thursday now, technically, right? And we're about to hit the weekend. Valentine's Day is going to be coming up soon. I'm going to talk about that next week. Uh, Yeah, everything seems so normal, if that makes sense. And that's what I wanted to say. That's what I wanted to talk about really quick is the fact that ever since 45 has been away from the Internet, from Twitter, from the media, really, except for the whole impeachment thing, things have been feeling normal, right? And the way I like to equate this is you've been in, a, in a, an abusive relationship for the past four or five years, right? And then you finally decide to leave the relationship, and now you're finally with the man who knows how to treat you well, who's very kind to you, and you don't know how to how to act towards it is because you've been so damaged by the other person that this here's this prince charming in front of you not saying that you know this guy's a saint or anything but follow me with the analogy now that we're in this new relationship nah, i feel like stopping you but i'll let you continue now that we're in this new relationship here things have been seeing seeming very normal and i can't accept that it seems just too normal and i'm not used to it Interesting. I see it completely different. I don't have a quick analogy for that, but it's not as intense as it used to be. Like the intensity was much higher than before, but I still think it's still high. It doesn't have to be one person now, but multiple people. So it's not like, hey, 45 is the one that's pushing all of these ideas into the people. Now it's the whole Senate. Right now, it's like whole side. Now you have QAnon. Now you have all these uh, news reports that's always on the internet. These news networks on the internet. They're the ones pushing everything. So that's how I look at it. It's like it's still in, it's still a high. It's not intense because the person that started isn't there anymore. But two things could happen. It could get lower or get intense again. And it doesn't need 45 to be there. That's the way I look at it. Right now, we're in the nature is healing stage but nature was, hasn't healed in forever 
I think just our intense, I think our meter is just broken. And it's just trying to kind of recalibrate again in order for us to make sense of things, right? Like we're gonna have, like we have another imperialist president that's going to do exactly what presidents has been doing forever. 45 wasn't that imperialist of the president because he didn't care about foreign countries, right? That's what made him different. Now we're going to see like, yeah, Biden's going to help us out with some policies. You know, are they going to pass everything through with the 1400? I hope so. I hope they don't say like, oh, we're going to lower this to less people could get it. That'll be pretty bad. You know, just put in the taxes if they make a lot of money. But, you know, like I said, we just got to recalibrate within, I think within three months, we're going to find a, a new a new high for us. What do you think the high is going to be? Now we're just going to be upset that either the Democrats aren't doing enough or they're not focused on the right issues at the right time. But they, you know they're not going to do enough. You know no, that. No, but I think it's important to, like, even, I hate to use the word complain, but point out, right? It's always good to point out because all these 45 supporters, they never... Well, I won't say they, but in the mainstream, they didn't go out to kind of say this. This is not enough. This isn't good. This isn't good. You know, liberals, leftists, centrists, like they understand what Biden's doing, and they will all have their own perspective, and they'll all be like, "Hey, we don't like what's going on here. We don't like what's going on here." So that's what I mean. I think that that's the way we channel things. Like we'll be able. I think everybody will have a piece of the pie. Like everybody will give their opinion compared to before, where everybody's just promoting like forty five is right all the time, right? Like God's good right all the time. Like no, he's he's not. So that's that's what I mean. That's what that's intensity. Before it was intense because everybody agreed. Now we're just gonna get a little lower. It's not not everybody's gonna agree with the president now. Oh yeah, of course not. Definitely not. But I think that's gonna take a while. I don't think it's gonna take like three months. I think we're gonna wait. A little longer for that. Nah, it's, it's, the, it's happening right now as, as we speak. It's you know, only this been kind of like... need for Republicans to say that, oh, you know, we're trying to work together here, bipartisan. You're trying to push the bill and you don't want you don't want our help. You don't want our votes. You're just going to push the bill 5150. What's going on? It, it's literally it's only been, what, three weeks? <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's been like two, three weeks yet already. Exactly. It's like, yo, something happened a couple of weeks, three weeks ago, and you're acting like it happened 10 years ago. Like, no, 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 no. They're still off that energy. It's, Obama's, it's Obama's fault. Yo, yo, that's Obama's fault for everything. <laughs> See, blaming the black man on Black History Month is something I don't appreciate. Oh, damn. And on the second day of Black History Month, you had the courtside Karen disrespect the King James. I didn't appreciate that either. Why are people getting too bold on this month? I don't appreciate this. Let us have our month. That that courtside carrying thing was weird. I forgot who um Lakers was playing. The Hawks. I was going. I was going to say Miami for a reason because why Miami? No, not Miami. I was going to say Cleveland because the the woman's husband actually goes to the NBA games constantly, and he posts his pictures where he's like as the person buying a ticket, he's sitting behind LeBron James, you know, front court. And he every time he takes a picture when he's in the frame, LeBron James in the frame, he posts it and like comments like a hate comment. He's a he's LeBron hater. He's a big LeBron hater. He's a big LeBron hater. And if I were to like you know paint the picture, it's like oh she hates LeBron because he, he really hate, hates, hates LeBron. LeBron. So he basically buys tickets just to hate heckle LeBron. Yeah, 
Yeah. That's how you know you have money. I think he is from Atlanta. Yeah, he's a huge Atlanta Hawks fan. Yeah, nobody's a Atlanta Hawks fan. Shout out to Mike. He told us that. And no one goes <laughs> to their games. That is true. But, hey, everything in Atlanta is, is open and in Miami. So when they allowed Hawks fans to... They're on the floor seat, though. They're yeah. pretty. They're too close. Too close. You don't think so? Oh, I 100% agree with you. But, again, this is Atlanta. After all, in Atlanta, everything is open. Strip clubs are open. Wing spots are open. Everything is open. Nuts. That in Miami. So... The fact when is that... New York going to be open? <laughs> Say it again? When is New York going to be open? Well, allegedly, indoor dining is coming back on Valentine's Day, but only by 25%. And see, this is something I don't, res- I don't respect from Cuomo, is the fact that, one, you want to open things up for indoor dining in the city on Valentine's Day. Men had a, a great outing. It had a great excuse not to do any sort of indoor dining because one, we in a panoramic. But now that Cuomo was opening things up again for the indoor dining, my suspicion tells me, my little intuition, my sixth sense tells me that these significant others want to go out on Valentine's Day still, even though we in a panoramic. Why not do it the day after Valentine's Day? That's a good looking out for the fellas. No, that's it. I don't understand the reasoning behind all of this. I don't know who this is for. If it this is for the reg- restaurant industry to make some money during a holiday, sure, that's what the holiday is designed to do, make money off of it. Yeah, but they're not with 25% seat capacity. But during the pandemic, like this is what Biden was saying, like the 100 days, like the first 100 days, we just got to keep it locked down, right? Mask everywhere. Just keep it locked down. This is not locking it down. It's not this locking is, it down. This is keeping the window open and wondering why the room is so cold. Right? Mm-hmm. It's snowing outside. The window's open. Why is it so cold? The heater is on. It's 80 degrees. What's, what's going on? Yeah. But I think and that, if you get sick because of the heat and the, the cold, I, I, wonder, I wonder who causes it. Yeah, but I also think the issue is these bills don't stop, <laughs> too. Like, that's another thing. And there's no way in which they want to help compensate the little people, the little small businesses, yet they want to help out Shake Shack. You feel me? I think that's the issue here. Yeah, and that, that is a big problem. And that's kind of what people are, were expecting with um, Biden's uh, package, just kind of help out the economy again. It's like, yeah, that's how, that's how it starts. Like, the government has a lot of money, like a lot of money, but they don't want to spend it because they think people could just start spending their own money without the help of the government. Like, no, in many countries, they do need government support. They pay taxes for the reason, right? Exactly. Taxes to solve problems. And this is a problem. This is a huge problem. If and we could keep businesses closed and still give them like uh, a security kind of blanket, payment, security blankets, like, yo, shut down the move. See, this is one of the problems that we kind of spoke about last year with the whole mortgages, right? So let's say you have a business and you own the property and you got to pay the bills, like mm-hmm. you know, $5,000 a month. What they did is like instead of pushing the, the next bill uh, three months away, it's like, no, we're going to stack the next three bills all together. So by the fourth month, you have, you have to pay all four bills. That, that doesn't help anybody. With what money, right? 
with what money? Exactly. That's the same thing for like local homeowners or people that, that can't even pay rent. It's like, hey, can we like push it back? It's like, no, but now you got to pay everything. Mm-hmm. You got to pay the next three months altogether in one month. Yeah. And that's because the government didn't want to do anything because, of course, the companies, they don't want uh, to pay for anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just got my uh, my taxes back and stuff. I didn't I didn't file them yet, but I got like the sum of what I made. Mm-hmm. Bruh, it is not good. <laughs> It is god awful. It is horrible. Compared to last year. Compared to last year, absolutely. Everything was just cut significantly, right? And I wonder if they're going to redo the the tax, the taxes, how how we do our taxes. Exactly. And get reimbursed with with freaking taxes, well, with refunds that we were supposed to with that I was supposed to get like that 1200 from before, and then the six hundred, and now allegedly this two thousand. Fourteen hundred. Now it's fourteen hundred. What happened to the two thousand? Th- that was some ethics. Oh. I think I explained this like a couple episodes ago. It's like they said two thousand, but what they really meant is the fourteen. It's fourteen hundred on top of the six hundred, which makes it two thousand. And people weren't with it. I hope we get oh. to file this thing until July, like last year. That was cool. No, they're, they're not going to do that. April, we're talking about, man. Uh, whatever. July was yeah. good. No, no, April. Get get it done and over with. Well, like, I mean, you, I always do. I feel like the only people that take their times with it is like businesses and you have to get everything lined up. But in general, it's like, no, you can move on with it. Well, I did, is what I'm saying. I did, but the fact that, you know, they moved it to July, I thought that was pretty nice, but... They had to though. They had to. But you are right. They are. They do have a lot of money, and the economy has been doing, has been fine. Really, the economy has been fine. No, it's not. It hasn't been good at all. Well, the economy is pretty bad. No, remember when Trump said once he leaves, the economy is going to drop. The, the economy did drop. No, but like we're not in. We're not in like recession numbers. We are. We are. Yeah, we are. We just don't see it because it doesn't reflect in the market because everybody's putting the money in the market because they're trying to eat. Please the market. Well, the, the whole thing about the market is that it doesn't reflect on what's going on in real life because people, there's millions of people that still sign up for unemployment and still haven't received anything. Oh, yeah, of course. And still people that don't have any jobs. That was people, me. I'm me. <laughs> People that don't have any jobs, people can't pay rent. People are worrying how much they, um, how much money they have in their savings account. You know, they they're struggling with food, and we're just trying. And people are trying to get ex- anything extra from the government if they can, just just to help support. And of course, people are saying time to look for a job. It's like, well, there's no jobs out there. Whatever job you had before, that industry is so messed up. It's really hard to kind of jump right back in, without getting sick too. And that's something Biden said. It's like if you're offered a job and you can't do it because you, you feel like you're going to get sick because of COVID, you have the right to deny it and they won't cut off your unemployment. Because I'm looking at the unemployment website and if you're offered a job and you deny it for like no reason, they will cut off your unemployment. Mm. So that's kind of how things are going. So yeah, I think because the news media doesn't talk about it, but the stories are there. Like it's very bad what's going on outside, and yeah, the the stocks are doing extremely well. Everything's overvalued, in my opinion, and I think everybody understands that. But it does not reflect on what's going on in the streets. People are struggling. 
Well, yeah. It never yeah, reflects. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it never, it's a recession. It never, it never reflects the streets, right? It never reflects the streets, and as a as a result, you know, people invested in GameStop and AMC. Yeah. Well, that that whole story. Please, if you didn't, if you want a like a good breakdown, listen to our last episode, The Moon. <laughs> uh, Game Stonks. That's our last episode, right? Yes. Uh, we kind of broke it down. But I actually want to continue off that just a little bit more. That's why I did that. Because everything went went straight down because of how Robin Hood was handling the situation where I think when we last spoke in the last episode, Robin Hood stopped everything and most brokerages just stopped trading. And it, most of the stocks were halted by the SEC to the point where now Robin Hood just said like, no, well, in, instead, if you want to buy GameStop, you can only buy like 10 contracts or 10 shares. You cannot buy like 100 shares, 500 shares, 500 contracts. Like they limited how much you could purchase. Hence that affected the whole stock. So if you can imagine these hedge funds, look at this opportunity. It's like, hey, Robinhood has the most users out of all these other brokerages. It's easy to use. We're just going to you know, put some money down. And next thing, lo and behold, the GameStop is like under $100 now. Right? Yeah. I got so rid of it. went to the moon. And now it's down. Same thing for MC, almost twenty. Now it's like under ten. Same thing for Nokia. Now it's down. And it, it kind of shows you who who who's controlling the market, right? Is was it always a free market? These like these um econ teachers who used to tell you back when you took one hundred and one. It's like no, it's not a free market. It's one hundred percent manipulated. One hundred percent. And one of the funniest things that happened over the weekend was this rampant news about the next stock that's going to blow up. Right. And it has to do with silver, right? So yeah. silver, um, SLV is an ETF and the ETF is like an exchange traded fund, which is typically a security that involves a collection of other securities, like other stocks. So other companies that have silver, it's like, it's all embedded into one package, right? So if you invest in silver, you invest in multiple stocks at the same time. So if all those other stocks goes up, that ETF goes up and you're, you're banking, right? You have all of these news networks, a- anything like from CNBC to uh, Fox Business, all of them promoting like, hey, uh, all the people on Reddit, they said silver's next up. Everybody investing is going to be the next GameStop. And what's so weird about it is nobody was talking about that on the forums to the point where they realize, like, no, this is all a gimmick. This is all hedge funds. If you get into that, you're going to lose money. So within the same day, you will see the news go up for silver. And then everybody's like, do not touch silver. This is all hedge funds. And this is how I look at it. It's like when you're playing the game and you realize that they understand the rules, you just want to take, you're supposed to take some time off, right? And just wait until everybody kind of forgets about it and mm-hmm. try to trick them again. Yeah. They they in my opinion, they just try to trick them immediately. Like it's too it's too early to trick them. It's like, hey, yeah. silver's going up. It's like, no, no, we know your tricks already. It's too soon. It's too soon, hedge funds. It's too soon. So I think hedge funds kind of played their hands a little too early. They kind of showed them what they got, and that's it. It's like, no, we know what you're going to do. So now everybody's gonna be very, very focused on any news quote unquote of what's going up or what's what's going in a different direction because of how uh the reddit forum was doing wall street bets was doing yeah so everybody's really focused on that right now i for one 
got rid of my Robin Hood after after the week was over and I knew like this thing is gonna go straight down. You know, I just took I just took what I took what I earned and I just dipped off because Robin Hood, for all intents and purposes, isn't Robin Hood the guy who's supposed to steal from the rich and giving it back to the poor? Yeah. It's sort of like this big oxymoron where the Robin Hood app is looking for the best interests of these hedge fund guys. And not and the actual the little people that that was actually like on a huge come up. Yeah. And that's the story that they're telling. It's like, hey, we're not doing this to destroy any of the people that made money off of it. We're, we're just, you know, we're, we're trying to help you out with volatility and stuff. I, I wouldn't recommend to like completely get off of Robinhood. I think it's good to have multiple brokerages at your handle, at your display, just in case, you know, you want to invest here, invest there. It's good to have multiple of them. I don't use Robinhood, but I do use it to chart things because it's on my phone. It's, it's actually a very beautiful UI. But there are also other brokerages. Yeah, of course. But I know I'm just not using Robinhood anymore just for that reason alone. You know what I mean? I'm not using it. No, I feel you. Uh, try, sign up for the other ones. They are, they're all very easy to sign up for. Facts. Oh, and Dogecoin was a, was a huge... I'm not... See, see that's, that's the problem sometimes with what's hot because some coins shouldn't blow up coins other coins that aren't bitcoin like litecoin ethereum they they're not doing so well back in the day like 2017 if bitcoin goes up all these other coins go up so if you mm -hmm. invest in the smaller coins you can make a lot more money than actually investing in bitcoin but it hasn't been like that like everybody's putting all their money in bitcoin no one cares about these other garbage coins so bitcoin is doing extremely well but now you know dogecoins which has always been a, a joke micro cent right and a joke because it's quote unquote supposed to be like the original bitcoin yeah i'm not saying to, to to invest in it i'm just saying they were no, doing it like, as a it, joke it's, it's and they a were trying to get coin. it to a, yeah they were trying to get it to a dollar no it would be impossible to get to a dollar no but, but they were trying it. to get it to a dollar yeah, I'm not nah, saying you, I'm not saying to get it to a dollar. I'm saying they were trying to get trying it to a dollar. To get, no, no, I I understand what you mean, but yeah. it's like it's impossible to get it to a dollar. It will take more than two years to get it to a dollar. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. So if you want to long hold that, go right ahead. I was surprised when it hit nine cents. Like, oh, I never in my life would I expect to hit, see that hit nine cents. But uh, shout out to people that made money on it. Yeah. Shout out to you if you bought at top and you're now you're just holding a bag. So. Do you think? Do you think this is going to be like a new a new trend, a new meme culture? Well, I, we did two episodes on it. <laughs> good point. Back to back. Yeah, good point. I'm hoping it's not. I'm. I really. I don't really. Talk, we don't talk about stocks ever in this show because you don't want to talk about it. It's not important. But it's you're really point. knowledgeable about it. Again, it's, a lot of people have been complimenting this show, especially last week. Last week's show because they didn't understand what the hell was going on with GameStop and, and AMC and Nokia and all that stuff. So they really appreciated the breakdown that you gave, Bastion. Yeah, yeah. thank you, thank you. But I think getting into stocks is your own personal research and your own personal comprehension and also your own personal experiences. That's how you get either good at it or get better at explaining it. That's true, or, or just listen to you. No, no. You're listening to my experiences. So if you listen to someone else that has maybe like two more years than me or five more years or trade a lot more hours than I do, they're going to give you a different point of view and perspective. Hopefully not like the capitalist point of view because I won't give you that. But yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I try to give my perspectives on things. Get the capitalist point of view too. It's good to hear different perspectives. Yeah. So let's let's get into the first song. Please, yes. Explain the first song. In the first song, it's a classic song. I remember watching it from a TV show, How to Make It in America, because that was the theme song, and it was just like the perfect timing. And it was a show about hustling. Terrible show. Two seasons. Kid Cudi was in it. An HBO show. Yeah, yeah, that's why I watched it. But he was barely in it. He was like a reoccurring character that came one, three, four episodes. Mm. Anyways, this song by Aloe Black called I Need a Dollar. Okay. 
Welcome back to 99.5 FM WBAI New York. You're tuned in to Black Seinfeld, the show about nothing. And real quick, because we didn't actually shout out the listeners that tune into the podcast. We didn't shout out all of you listeners tuning in live on the radio. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in once again. We appreciate the love. We appreciate the support. Once again, for all you podcast listeners, Thank you all so much because you could have listened to any other podcast, but you decided to tune in to us. And hey, if you enjoy this show so far, please leave, give a like, give a follow, uh, drop a heart, um, share it with your friends. Just do whatever it is that you do that can help us succeed in this podcast game. And thank you to WBAI Management for allowing two knuckleheads just to talk ish for like two hours in the wee hours of the morning. We appreciate that as well. Bastion, you're on mute, man. Oops, sorry about that. It's okay. And yes, yes, and please follow us on our social media, Black Seinfeld NY on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have any questions, please email us at blackseinfeldny at gmail.com. Because we do read your messages. Yes, we, do. we may not respond to them, but we read them. Just want to make that clearly. And shout out to the city of Philadelphia. Shout out to North Carolina as well. North Carolina is becoming a big hub, a big listenership for Black Seinfeld. So we appreciate you, North Carolina. Shout out to the baby. Shout out to Ric Flair. Woo! Yes, thank you for listening to our New York experiences. Facts. And shout out to PD Pablo too. He's great. All right, let's get into the next thing. Amazon. It's going to be like... A- Next 30 minutes, going to talk about Amazon and how crazy it is. Okay. But, uh, the richest man in the world, Jeff Bezos, will be stepping down from his CEO position of Amazon. Well, I'm sorry, chairman position of Amazon in the third quarter. The third quarter meaning July. The third quarter, I believe, is June, July, August. No, July, August, July, August September. September. Yeah. That is the third quarter. And that made huge headwaves, and I have my own theories as to why. Bastion, take it away. Well, I'm more interested in your theories. The oh. news is whatever, but let, let, listen to your theories. Go ahead. Okay, uh. my theories is due to Amazon being in the news lately for its treatment to its uh its workers its warehouse workers um the delivery workers i think it's due to the horrible conditions that they've been working in and and the fact that shout out to the working class heroes they've done a show about uh this one guy who worked in the uh in the warehouses and the horrible conditions that amazon had them working in during this panoramic see the reason why 
Jeff Bezos was able to make like $13 billion in like a day is due to the fact that workers kept working even though they didn't have any sort of regulations. I believe there is a lot of COVID cases within Amazon, but... Yeah, roughly 20,000 Amazon workers and they tr- COVID. And they tried their year. best to undermine all of it. Yeah, they pretend like they happened. They didn't give them proper supplies. It was until a lot of people kept getting sick that they actually did something about it. And people trying to unionize and strike on Amazon as well. But they tried to... Yeah. You know what's funny about the union? Please. I think they're going to do a, a vote for the union. And one of the ways they're going to vote is by mail. And they actually stopped stopped it. Because they said mail is not a, not a good way to do it. It's better if they do it in person. Mm-hmm. You know, stop the steal. <laughs> right. So the, the reason why I think Jeff Bezos is stepping down is because he's... He's still the face of Amazon. He's he's the number one guy. He's the he's the richest man in the world. Literally, he's the person we all know is the top dude that runs Amazon. So I think he's stepping down of Amazon to to wipe his to wipe his hands clean of any sort of suing or any sort of legal litigation that may happen due to the poor conditions that these workers have been facing over at Amazon. That's just my theory i could be totally wrong here but guess what i'm not here to be right this is just my theories this is my opinion that's why i think bezos is stepping down it's because everyone is starting to to see what's been going on the reason why this man right here is able to be getting extremely extremely wealthy is due to the poor business practices that's going on even here in america because remember like Remember how everyone, well, not everyone, remember how the right and and Trump was talking about bringing back factories and, and bringing back that sort of work and style. The reason why they do that elsewhere, not in America, is to get away with the, the crappy practices that goes on in those countries. And they're able to, to pay them pennies and Awful dimes. Wages. Yeah, pennies and dimes, right? So imagine, so imagine bringing that back in, into America. That's not going to happen, like, at all. And the fact that they're able to get away with what they're getting away with, I'm sure these Amazon workers aren't getting paid that much to do what they do. And and the risk is not worth the reward, honestly. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's really... Your theory makes sense. I think on paper it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, on the other hand, I have a completely different theory. I think he will still be the shadow man controlling everything behind the scenes, but he doesn't have to be in the face. He doesn't have to be in the front because he's not leaving Amazon. It's not oh, he's no. like up he's and left. He's just stepping down. No, yeah, he's stepping down the CEO position. Like, as he's been CEO for 27 years. Yeah. And he's just going to do something else within the company. That's the way I look at it. I don't look at it as him like, oh, he's going to step aside so the company could go a different direction. I think the company will continue. To go in the same uh, direction. Yeah, becoming like, it's a bullet train, right? Amazon is a bullet train, crushing everything in front of you. It's it's really fast. It will grab different industries together and just continue ruling the world. It's a monopoly. It should be split up into 100 pieces. And 
for Bezos to leave. And of course, it didn't affect the stocks because people say, okay, Bezos leaves. Like Amazon is such a strong structure because they own so much. They own um, even the internet that we use. Like you watch Netflix, you like Netflix? Well, guess what? That's Amazon servers, man. <laughs> um, Amazon web servers, AWS. That's a skill to learn. Like that's a skill I have to learn, bro. Like I have to learn how to work with Amazon to get like a decent tech job. So that that's kind of what's going on right now. My opinion, like I said, Bezos, he's just going, he has other motives that he can't do as CEO. So the responsibilities as CEO, he's just going to sidestep it, give it to somebody else that he's trained under his tutelage for years and just continue. I, I, first person I thought about when Bezos was leaving, it's like Steve Jobs when he passed away, but he, he kind of knew he was going to go. So he kind of had a couple things lined up and uh, Tim Cook was one of the people that he kind of trusts to guide the, the path of uh, Apple. Of course, someone like me, big Apple fan, uh, I don't like the way Tim Cook has took technology, but as the company itself is actually much bigger than it's ever been, they're more liquid and they're, they have the products and everything. Yeah, right? it's more it's aesthetic. Con- it's more of an aesthetic now because he, he's a chain management guy, so he knows how to make the most profit. But that's just me personally, because Steve Jobs is no longer there. The, the, the direction isn't going the same, same way. Yeah, it's not as revolutionary as the iPhone 4 was. Exactly. Even the 5 and 6 was pretty cool. Yeah. I think those were his last touches. But it would be like more Bill Gates. Like, he, he's still majority owner. He's still going to be seated at the table. They're still going to listen to him. Like, oh, hey, we're 100%. going to do this. He's going to pass through him. He has the most votes. votes. He's going to say, nah. But now it seems like what you're saying is he's just not going to be the the showman anymore. He's not going to be in the forefront. Yeah, so people, but... so so people aren't going to say this is Jeff Bezos' fault anymore. No, they're still going to call Bezos out, Amazon and everything. You, you can't run away from that, as you said. Like he was trying to get away, but it's impossible. He's a, one of the richest men on earth. He cannot get away from that. Mm impossible you cannot run away from that's true but do you think in stepping away from that spotlight i think i think how human nature works is if you see it all the time in your face being paraded around people are going to acknowledge it right but what you're saying is you know he's taking a step back but he's still going to run things right so maybe in him not being out in that spotlight anymore people aren't going to acknowledge it as much no as long so? as he's majority owner, everything still goes through him. Oh, yeah, like they, 100%. Yeah. I agree yeah. with you 100% in that, right? But yeah. in saying that, if you're watching the news, right, I don't think um, having Jeff Bezos in front of the screen is going to be that much of a thing anymore. I think the person that he's appointing to be, like, the next guy, right? I think mm-hmm. that person is going to be the one who's going to be targeted the most. Because Jeff Bezos in the background now. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess the best example to compare it to is um, put it like Windows this, right? And Bill Gates leaving, like he's no longer part of the the team, mm-hmm. right? He, he's part of the staff, but he's not part of the team. Like he's not part of the creative process of it anymore. That's true. So that's the way I look at it. It's like if something windows does something, they're not thinking Bill Gates because he's not part of that circle anymore. It's like they, they kind of kicked them out. This is how I was looking at it. Right. Yeah. Emperor is running ish, right? The emperor mm-hmm. is running ish, right? 
but we didn't really know that until I'd say like episode six because he's been pushing Darth Vader, right? And Darth Vader seemed like he was, he was the one really pushing stuff, but he wasn't. He was taking orders from the Emperor, right? Who's really... No, we knew. We, what do you mean? People knew. They didn't show him until episode five, but people knew that the Chancellor was rolling the world. Right, but we didn't know that yet. We That's did. what I'm saying. They did. Episode four, no. Yeah. They just showed him. Yeah, exactly. They knew. But go on with your analogy. Well, we, I, I was saying that, you know, we understood that the bigger threat was, was the Chancellor, was the Emperor and himself, right? Not just Darth Vader. Darth Vader was just taking orders. So that's what I'm thinking the, the new appointee is going to be in what you were saying, because you're saying that Bezos is going to be appointing someone while he's running everything. So you really don't see him. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think that process will work more in the 90s or the early 2000s than in today's standard. I think because we have technology and everybody's very quick with news. Something happens and we see his name, his fingerprints on the sheet of paper. It's going to go back to him. I, I, I completely understand what you're saying, but I just think uh, technology and media and how we think has evolved a little bit more where we, we could see through it. I disagree, you know? man. I think people are still stupid. No, no, no. I don't think so at all. I think people are very focused on why they hate and, or dislike Amazon and Bezos at the same time. Like, it's not one or the difference. It's like it's one thing, right? Bezos made Amazon the way it is. It's his focus. You know, swallowing up. The, remember, we like. I like Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. Amazon owns Whole Foods. I, I like watching Twitch. Amazon owns Twitch. Mm -hmm. You know, we like our internet service. Well, they own like forty percent of it, right? They own forty, like the, the server. They, they own the, they own the most servers. But do you think the average person knows that and understands that, or no? They learn I, it. I don't. I don't think people really understand that. Not I. I hmm. I think you're giving people, people benefit of the doubt here. If you're talking about people in media, then yeah, they're going to ignore it. But if you're talking about people that are already commenting on it, workers that got fired, oh, workers no. that are currently working, they're very focused on it. And oh. I think at the end of the day, that's the voice that's going to be yelling out the most. So people are going to see, like, why is this person yelling? They're going to hear the words. And they're going to put two to two together. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not talking about the people that are actually aware and, and know what's going on, right? I'm talking about the the people that actually don't know what's going on. Because believe it or not, I have this theory. Well, I I think that a lot of people aren't really aware, right? I don't think people are are, are very aware of how much Amazon owns, or or the fact that Amazon even owns. Whole Foods or Twitch or any of that, right? Because you don't see, you don't see Amazon anywhere near it, right? You don't see this is owned by Amazon. You just see the name Whole Foods. You just see the name Twitch. You don't see Amazon anywhere, right? It's sort of like Disney, right? You just see Marvel or, well, no, nah, Disney's a bad example because you know Disney owns it. You know yeah, Disney yeah. owns all it of front. it. Right, facts. But I'm saying like the companies that actually own some stuff, that you would have no idea they actually own it unless if you really paid attention. Okay, for example, like I remember when I bought the 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 e-reader from Amazon, right? 
And the first application they give you on e-reader is uh, Goodreads. Like Amazon owns Goodreads. I don't think anybody knows that. What's Goodreads? Goodreads is the website where if you're an avid reader, not like me, or we're not avid readers. But if you're an avid reader and you want a portfolio of places where you want other people to see what you're reading, Mm -hmm. that's where you put it. So Goodreads is like it's like this uh, it's like social media for books. Like these are the books I read. This is what I'm currently reading. Mm. So if you own that Amazon Kindle, and that's like the one of the first applications because you know when you put the Kindle, you're gonna connect it to Goodreads. It's like once you finish that book, it syncs in together. Say, hey, Giovanni just finished this book. You know, he finished this new Star Wars book that just came out, mm-hmm. and now people know. It's multi-layered. Like, they don't just own the front. They own the back end as well. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think people know that. People Amazon, don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm if, saying. If, if, we're, we're, if we're judging how people understand Amazon, I think the most, the surface level they'll it's know prime. is, like, is uh, the, the quick shipping prime. Exactly. That, that's pretty much it. Right. That's what I'm saying. The average person doesn't know that stuff. The people that are in it, in the media, that actually work in Amazon, that do stuff like you and I do, we know that stuff. The average consumer doesn't. Uh, Well, I guess I I have more hope in the average consumer than you do. See? And that's the issue, man. Didn't you do a survey for, like, average average users? Average users for, for what? For I believe you were doing this for for a website online shopping. Yes. And what did you come up with with that result? Um, man, that was like three months ago. Sorry. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, most people like to actually shop in store than online shopping. Oh, well, that's a that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's kind of one of the major things. Oh, okay. But, but yeah, I I know where you're going with it. I just don't remember the detail of the the report because okay. I don't I I don't use that report anymore. Fair enough. <laughs> I just don't have that much faith in humanity, I guess. And that's uh, perf- is it perfectly fine? Not not really. Not really. I, I, no, it's not. <laughs> I see. This is why I think it's our jobs to inform the people, just in case they're missing. They weren't able to see, see between the lines. They will understand. It's like, okay, Amazon it pretty much controls, like, uh, comicology, right? It's like one of the biggest websites for reading comic books. They own that too as well. See, I didn't even know that. It, I didn't yeah. know that. So they're they're multi layered. They own everything, and it's is it too late to stop? It's like no, with our power. We kind of have to see what happens with Facebook first. If they're able to split Facebook up into different pieces, then next is Amazon. Well, in my opinion, I think we should go for Comcast first, then Amazon, then uh, I think T-Mobile. Yeah, we got to split the mobile. Very important. Mm. They bought out Sprint. I don't know how they allowed it to happen. I do remember that day when they bought Sprint. Yeah, how yeah. were they able to do that? It... it Comcast bought Time Warner Cable. I do remember that. Yeah, they did. And they renamed it Spectrum. Now they knock on my doors every day. It's like, dude, I, I had, ask your old team members. I had Time Warner Cable. It was garbage. And Spectrum I is out. ass, dude. It, Spectrum sucks. Yeah, Spectrum? No, but 
I would always joke because I remember I was on IG Live, right? And one of my friends was on live with, with their friends and their internet was horrible, right? And I jokingly said, you definitely got that Spectrum internet and lo and behold, Spectrum internet, not good. That's what it is, man. Privatized companies. When they own more, they do less. They do less work. Mm. That's why when people are saying like, oh, you know, people shouldn't get paid the minimum wage because if they get paid minimum wage, my like I'm getting paid eighteen dollars. Does that make me less like less work? Like, dude, your job is way easier than what people are doing at McDonald's. Yeah, you, you, you know what I'm complaining. Re- if anything, you should complain that you're not getting paid enough. I've realized in certain jobs, like the higher that you go up, and in a lot of these like corporate jobs, you really don't do much. Like you really don't <laughs> compared to. Like you were saying, the worker at McDonald's or just like a regular, like, food worker. Yeah. It's all about responsibility, like, in certain jobs. I could I could only speak for – I worked in the reg, restaurant industry, bakery, and I worked as, like, a sales uh, sales job as an advisor. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's all about the responsibility because you're responsible just, like, get the food out, make sure the register is good, and – making sure like all the other activities are lined up together. But when you're like in sales or something, it's like making sure you, you hit those numbers by the end of the month or you're going to have a problem. Yeah. And it's different. It's two different ways. Is it difficult for one person and easy for the other? Yeah. That's how it is. Mm-hmm. But just because like, Oh, don't disrespect the person at McDonald's because I bet, yeah, you could sell a car, but can you do this? Can you deal the pressure of rush hour? You'd be stressed out. You probably freak out and quit. I've seen people quit. Oh, and they're from the registrar industry. It's like, come on, man, how you quit? This is—I thought you'd be good at this game. One hundred percent. Yeah. Let's get into the next song before we get into uh, our next topic. Yeah, the fun stuff. Fun stuff. So one one of the top one of the songs I want to talk about is from the album we're actually going to discuss in a few. Mad Lib, very interesting album, and we will get to it in a minute. And one of the songs we want the people to get into before we dissect it is Road of Lonely Ones.
welcome back to Black Seinfeld, the show about nothing. That was Mad Lib with Road of the Lonely Ones off of the brand new Spankin' album. Sound Ancestors. There you go. Yes, sir. So before we get into it, Gio, how many times have you listened to this project? Five times. Five times. Okay. Tell me what's your thoughts the first time listening to it. The first time I listened to it, I thought the first half of it was very eclectic and very daring and very atmospheric. Like it took me on an audio journey. And that's what Madlib has the power of doing, right? And I think the reason why he called it Sound Ancestors is due to paying tribute and paying homage. No, no, no. Tell me what you, what don't, we're not trying to get into it, but like, tell me what you thought of the album. Oh, I thought it was first cool. First listen. Oh, I thought it was dope. First album. First listen. I thought it was dope. First listen. Okay, okay. Because for me, I thought it was confusing. Like, nothing was connecting. The first listen. Okay. You know, I, I've been listening to Madlib forever when he was on Stone Records and everything. So when I was listening to the records, like, what's going on? Because I, I saw the title, Sound Ancestors, but I couldn't hear the ancestors, right? I couldn't hear that what you're saying, like this kind of motion of uh, adding different uh, elements of the past. So my first listen, my first reaction, like, oh, you didn't get any of that first listen. First listen. Oh, I was like, I got that from what? the first listen. Because I, I listened to a lot of Madlib projects. I think my favorite ones, so like when he was sampled a lot of Indian records, mm-hmm. that was very fun. Um, and, and it was just like confusing. So I was like, okay, he's slowing down here. He has a lot more vocals here. This sounds like real live vocals. He doesn't sound like uh, choppy, cut up stuff. Then you get to the end of the album, then it just like ends. So I think maybe my first four listens felt like that. Like, I lost concentration. Like, I couldn't really focus on it. Oh, really? I got it from first listen. By my fifth listen, everything connected all together Mm -hmm. and just amplified it. So, like, first listen, it's like, sounds like a four. Then by, like, like my fifth listen, it's like, oh, it makes sense. This is, like, a a great project. Yeah, this was, (laughs) like, a solid seven from the first time I listened to it. Because, I don't know, I think from the uh, the instrumentation and and the vocals i already thought of this as one a tribute to just like past artists past collaborators that he worked on um such as you know the the track that we just played i felt like it was more of a tribute to to um to mf doom and to uh jay dilla and then having certain tracks like hold on let me just pull up the track list real quick um Rhythm chants. Uh, he had Latino Negro um, stuff like that. I just I just saw it as as a as paying homage to like to Africa, to African roots, to African music, um, and and just giving his own little twist and his own Mad Lib feel to it. I felt like he was putting like his own his. I feel like he was really putting his own identity within these mu- within these tracks. But also paying homage to what it was as the as the past. That's what I got from it off first listen. Interesting. Yeah, no, I miss all that first listen. Like like I said, just listening to Madlib. Um, he's, he's I'm not sure if he wanted to make an instrumental 
album that just to listen to and just be chilled with or instrumental album that like rappers could rap on these beats if anything they could rap on half of these beats but the other half is really chill so it's it's a mix Mm -hmm. of the element because even track one like once you're getting into it it feels like you're flying through a portal right this is me right now dissecting the albums like listening to it's like okay I know what the album's about. I understand the beginning. I understand the movies. Like watching Tenet. Like taking a lot's you, going on. He's taking you <laughs> on this audio journey. He's taking us on this audio journey. Then track two is like, in my opinion, like the smooth loop. If anything, as a new listener or someone that wants to get into it, the first thing you want to listen to is like Mad Lib himself. And that's what the second track is. It's like very Mad Lib. You get your simple hip hop smooth loops. Then track three, that's when the history starts going. That's when I feel like he was getting to the ancestral plane of like old school hip hop with just how the drums sound mm-hmm. and how it's mixed. Um, I think this is mixed much clean. I don't know if he still samples off the iPad like he said he does because everything's just like straight. Like there's no multi-layer tracks. It's just one um, MP3 audio. Because mm-hmm. everything was very, very crisp. So I think um, he probably had a lot of hand in the mixing. Then by the then, you know, track four gets very soulful. Then uh, I think my favorite track, track six, is like it's more of like an old school Mad Lib where everything was like short to the point. Then what you were saying about some of these tracks are like for artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, track 12, two, for two, Dilla. That's like super, super hip hop because everything is like chopped and sampled and there's like spliced vocals throughout the song. Yeah. Yo, it's uh like I said, like I didn't get it the first time, but by the fifth time, I like, okay, I see what's going on. Yeah, man. Uh I don't know why I was able to to understand it from first listen, but I don't know. I just thought that with with this one I felt like the message was pretty clear. I don't know why I got it first listen, honestly. I don't know why, but I just thought it was very, very clear from first listen. Yeah, yeah, no worries. I think the, um, that's kind of how most music is. Like some albums take much longer to understand than others. And like I said, I, was, I will always use the Wiz Khalifa, Christian OJ as like an example. Heard it the first time, like this is garbage. Three months later, I'm like, this is like one of the best albums ever. <laughs> I totally understand it. I totally get it. It's it's okay. But yeah, it's uh and I gave it a couple more listens and I was like, yeah, this is a very uh in sync album. I was seeing a lot of Freddie Gibbs's little freestyles that he was doing when he was listening to the uh to the album. I thought that was pretty fun. That's what I'm really excited for. I'm, I'm excited to see Mad Lib's French's freestyle over these beats. I don't think I hope they don't. <laughs> I do, just for the fun of it. Uh, I I hope because you know it's like he's he's one of the few producers that actually drop tracks. Like he used to just drop albums and the whole album was just beat and everybody just buy it and listen to it. Yeah, like Dilla. Yeah, like Dilla's just like Dilla has a lot of like beat instrumental projects. Most of the songs are rapped on later on, mm-hmm. but like good chunk of them is just like dope beats just to bump to like you could sample later or understand how like how he does the drums for it but it this like mad lib this is his own separate project that he took time with like hey if we could just have this for himself then sure if you want beats i'm pretty sure he's one of those producers that have like beats laying laying on the ground oh, of course food. he has them for days yeah 
<laughs> All right. Oh shoot! Can can we talk about this? Can we talk about the fact that Little Uzi Vert? I wanted to continue music before we get into Little Uzi Vert. Okay, <laughs> sure. Go. Uh, JPEG Mafia came out a new single, "Fix Yourself." It's a very interesting track. Uh, it's coming out with a new EP later this year. Very submersive. Uh, I don't know if you will like it because it comes off very eerie and just him dissing other artists at the same time. It's like just like understanding himself. Who's he dissing? Art artists, artists in general. Oh, just in general. Oh, that's not fun. Talk about no, names. It's, it's, Give me names. No, no, no. I think he's talking about the industry. So, oh, so okay. Like that's cool. Yeah. No that, names. That, why would he ever give names? Because that's that's the fun in it. No, I think it's different if you're targeting an art uh, uh, an artist compared to targeting a group of um, not individuals, but the the moment of what's happening right now in hip hop. Like, yeah, everybody's being a bootleg trap rapper. So that that's kind of what's going on. So you're kind of dissing the industry plants and the industry is controlling how the music sounds today. It's pretty much who you this, right? Okay. It's always it's always like that. It's nothing new. It's been like yeah, that since the '80s. Yeah, it's nothing new. I, okay. But it's a very good song, though. What's it called? Uh, Fix yourself. Okay. Then of course your favorite R&B singer, Brent Fias. Brent Fias, Tyler Creator, DJ Dahi, and this man does not miss brent fires the prince of toxicity is back with a new one i'm keep telling y'all man check for brent fires he's super underrated he is out here giving you the toxic tracks that you've been needing all right we don't need bryson tell anymore we have brent fires giving us all the smashes giving us all the hits giving us all the music that we need during this cold and, and, and frigid weather brent fires has been supplying us that we don't need bryson anymore bryson is no <laughs> more we got Brent Fires here, man. Now look at you comparing, creating fake beef out of thin air. <laughs> it's true, though. It's so true. Brent, Brent Fires has been killing the game. And what has Bryson been doing? Not a damn thing. I mean, sure, his life. sure, he dropped Anniversary. But Anniversary is just okay. We still talk about Trap Soul. We still talk about Trap Soul. That sucks. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Trap Soul. Shout out to DJ Dahi for making that, like, I'm pretty sure they they all produced the track together, but you could tell by the drums and how everything's like mixed. I like this, like DJ Dahi. Like you should look out for him, DJ Dahi. Like one like up and coming producer, he's killing it. Thank you for clarifying his name because I kept calling him DJ Dahi. Dahi? Oh no, D Dahi. Well, thank you for that, but yeah man right. shout out to brent fires as always man he this man does not miss and thank you for coming out with new music man it took you a while to come out with your last album f the world it took you some years apparently right? that's the ep i saw he commented on twitter it's like that's the ep he the second it's... album's coming out <laughs> wait 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 what that's an ep that's not even it's an album? 29 minutes bro so what i was i was kind of embarrassed to say something about it because i went to go listen, look listen to it it's like oh wait this is short as hell it's not an album and as you said, it's not an album. His second album's now coming out. 24 Karat Gold was nine tracks. Thriller was nine tracks. It was still an album. What are you talking about? Nine tracks. It, was, it, it wasn't 20 minutes long. It wasn't 29 minutes. Thriller so was a long album. So, damn, so this one is damn near 30 minutes. It's okay to have a 30-minute album. It's fine. No, it's not. It's not. Why is that not fine? 
It's, it's personal preference. It's up to you. And if they said to EP, you should just respect them as the artist and say this is the EP. Hey, I'm totally respecting Brent Fias of saying of now coming out and saying it's an EP. When I think it's always been an EP. I think year. you just didn't notice. None of us noticed. Did he? Did you watch any of his interviews? No, I'm not watching any of his interviews. Then, then of course you wouldn't notice because you weren't trying to listen to them. I'm trying to listen to the. You music. aren't trying to get to know the man. I'm trying to listen to the music. I get to know the man by listening to his music, by listening to his toxicity. All right. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear this, your toxic bars. I want to hear what's going on in your life, Brand Fires, through your music. Yeah. But definitely check out that album. I mean, check it out. The album's coming out later this year, but yeah. definitely check out the single. Wait, uh, hold up. The Gravity. album's coming out this year? Yeah. What? This is a single for the album. Oh, what? Oh. Look at you. You're a bigger fan than this, me. Well, how can Brent, you not know this information? This Brent Fires album is probably going to be one of the best albums of the year. Just calling it right now. Calling it right now. It is. It is. If if it if DJ Dahi is pretty heavy into it, I think instrumental-wise, it would be crazy, too. No, just but. because of the fact that Afterworld was such a great project. This this right here. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Don't worry. I'm going to play it next week on my turn when I get to write out the show. We're playing it next week. You have to find the. I was gonna play it today, but I couldn't find the clean version in time. Oh, I found the clean version. <laughs> oh, well, do it next week then. Yeah, shout out hey. to you, Brent Fires. You gotta come on the show. We could talk. Let, let's get into your favorite rapper, Lil Uzi Vert. My favorite rapper is not Lil Uzi Vert. That is your favorite rapper. Stop playing. You like the turn will take, sir. Yeah, that's a great album. Exactly. Really, Your favorite rapper. It's so, a very cartoony album. So it seems like little Uzi Vert is showing his love of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and becoming one of his favorite Avengers. So that's why I am dubbing him now Lil Uzi Vision. Because you know what's funny? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. First. Because Lil Uzi Vert decided to put a $12 million pink diamond in the middle of his forehead like he got it surgically put on his forehead the middle of his forehead so now he looks like vision 12 million dollars pink diamond in his forehead now it's obvious that you know he really hasn't seen infinity war because i mean do you think people are going to try and hit a lick on little uzi vert's head I mean, that's to try to take it off. But no, it's impossible because we're going to do Who are you going to sell it to? Right? He's like, where do you get this diamond from? This the looks black awfully market? suspicious. The, I'm going to snitch on you. The black market? Are you crazy? No one has access. Well, regular people don't know what the black market is. You, you can go downtown in Brooklyn. You can go behind and knock on the door three times. Like, is this the black market? That's not how it works, bro. You are giving people way too much credit here. Anyways, you're not giving people enough credit. I'm supposed to be the one who who says people don't know what that's about. I'm supposed to be that one. You're supposed to be the one who sees the best in humanity. You can't get away you? with it, bro. People that do run licks on rappers do not do not do that. You understand? Like you're running lick on the rapper. You, you don't do that. I was going to say, yeah, I don't think he did it for vision. I think he did it for anime. <laughs> Why anime? They're anime uh, characters that do have like jams on the forehead or tattoos on mm. the forehead so when i saw that, that's the first thing i saw because he's very into anime but i'm not sure how deep he is in it i was hoping that it was fake 
But why would it be fake? To... News, man, just Rap. to get news rolling. Nah, man. Nah, I don't think it would. I don't think no, he it's would. real. It's real. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. He showed a picture of him bleeding. So, yeah, it was gross. A lot of people were turned off from that image. It's like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not doing it this month. Black History doesn't mean I have to support this. Exactly. Because a lot of people blocked them. <laughs> maybe, maybe he's just a big fan of Raven from Teen Titans. No, the the whole concept of having a diamond in your forehead is like it's pretty cool. But in real life, no, it's, it's not cool. It's stupid. In not in real life, it's not cool. If you have a character in a TV show that has this, like you're going to have the character like appear and disappear. Right, but in real life, rapper like you got the face tattoos already. Like diamonds is next, sure. I'm and just waiting. I'm just waiting for Thanos to come around and s- snip that off of his head. I'm waiting. I think it's gonna happen. It, it is disturbing. It's super I, disturbing. There's no problems with like having piercings. Eye piercing, ear piercing, nose piercing, like that's all. That's all cool. I have a but, nose piercing, but I'm not gonna freaking put a diamond on my head when we get on. There's a limit to that's those stupid. Things. In my opinion, I think the biggest thing is Attention. if you do that, other people are going to follow suit. Yeah, and that's the biggest problem. Your trends. He's a natural trendsetter, and he does it. By next week, someone's going to do it. Shoot, somebody has the Bernie Sanders meme tattoo on their arm right now. Yeah, I, I felt like we said this before. It's it's. it's Did we ever bring it, that up or no? No, we didn't. We, we didn't. didn't. Okay, but yeah, someone has the Bernie me- the Bernie meme on them, tatted. Just like never, how in 20, 2012, 2011, people were tatting yellow. Never meme your yellow. Is I think is immortalized now. Yeah, it, now it is. It's due bigger the than the song. Due to the stocks now, they 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 brought they brought back yellow. Not not no. It's further back than that. No, because people weren't using yellow for a while. No, they were always. It's all about the scenes, bro. You gotta be in different scenes, man. Everybody uses yellow all the time. They just use it for different things. Okay. Different scenes. Okay. I'm, in the stock stock world, it's very heavy. Yeah, people constantly do yellow. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Hey, if you're going to put your life savings on the stock because you hope it could go up like to the moon 500%, then yeah, that's a YOLO play. Mm. But continue with what you were saying prior. Because there is already a rapper who did this already before Lil Ziver. I think his name is Sauce Waka. He already did that. He already has like a, a stone in, lodged in the middle of his forehead. Really? Yeah. On his forehead? You sure? Yeah, positive. Sauce Waka did this before. On his forehead or his cheek? Was it on his cheek? Yeah, I swear I saw an image. It was a, a diamond on his cheek. Oh, shoot. Well, yeah, it wasn't his forehead, but hell, it was on his face. Like I said, piercings is cool, but... Piercings are cool, man, but... but I, have, I do have a problem with the Louis Uzi Vert and how he's just flaunting money. Cause I know he has a lot of cars. Like, most of his cars collection, like, like $400,000 car five five million dollar car it's just it's ridiculous man i i do have a problem with this with this guy because i don't know if he pays bills or buys cars cash because credit must be crazy man it's because he likes the attention but i think that's just unwanted attention that's way just too much attention warranted attention no he's a rapper he's like he's like uh what's the name the rapper blue 
Blueface? Blueface. He's attention. Attention seeking. That's what they do. Yeah, I guess it's going to be the same like face tattoos now, huh? Face tattoos is normalized now. Yeah, it's normalized now, but do you think putting a, a damn jewel in your head is going to be normalized too now? No one has not, money for jewelry. I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to get $12 million pink diamonds, Bastion. What I'm saying is, I don't know, zirconium crystal. I think you need like a clean diamond. In my opinion, people, once you say people start running licks, like when multiple licks happen, then there will be a trade market for it. The licks are going <laughs> to happen. It's, I have, it's not... I have full faith in the underworld that the licks is going to happen. The streets love no one. Remember that. Streets love no one except for Black Seinfeld. Thank you all for supporting. It'll be pretty bad. And like I said, that'll be the worst thing that could happen. And Uh, then people start doing it. And then I'm going to be here right here and said, I told you so. So mark this down. This is what? February 4th. Mark this date down. And oh, yeah, that's the name of the show today. Lil Uzi Vision. Absolutely not. 100%. Lil Uzi Vision. That's it. Lil Uzi Vision. That's it. Lil Uzi Vision. All right. Speaking of the vision. Speaking of the vision, here at Black History Month, we're going to be talking about our picks of, of movies that we think you should see. And before we get into this movie, here is the trailer for One Night in Miami. You brothers, you could move mountains without lifting a finger. Minister Malcolm X. Good news, the chariot is coming. Who's the greatest? That's right. Jim Brown, take the ball. Your record is going to stand the test of time. All together, yeah. The entire city of Miami is celebrating. I'm the new heavyweight champion of the world, and I don't even have a scratch on my face. Oh, my goodness. Cash. Cash. Why am I so pretty? Oh. Hey, congratulations, champ. I could get used to that. Uh, I was made in America, land of the free, home of the brave. This movement that we are in is called a struggle because we are fighting for our lives. This ain't about civil rights. They ain't giving black people what they really want. What's that? I was made in America. That's why I'm out here safe in America. Power. Black power. I like the sound of that. Uh, I wish I lived in America. We have to be there for each other. Uh, heard everybody rich. All I gotta do is run, jump, kick. I'm a kid in your area. Uh, I done made it to America. Uh, I'm amazed uh, at America. Welcome to America. One Night in Miami comes to us from the directing debut of none other than Regina King and it discusses the one night in Miami where four prominent figures in the black community and into the civil rights era Malcolm X Jim Brown Sam Cooke and one Cassius Clay have this one night in Miami where they talk about their different ideas and ideologies on on the current state of black America and where black America is heading in the 60s because of course we have the civil rights movement happening bastion what is your take on this movie that i told you to watch because i thought it was awesome 
yeah, I've been seeing reviews about it for the past couple of weeks. I haven't read any of the reviews, but all of them were raving reviews. Um, they're giving their flowers to the actors and how they did a great job portraying who they were. And so I came in this movie with high expectations, like one night in Miami, what they're going to go hang out together in a bar. That's kind of what I thought it would be. It's so for them to be a very straightforward camera in your face, multiple characters talking about topics. I I thought I was very happy by the end of it. And uh, overall, I, I think it was just a great movie. And then I saw it was directed by Regina King. It's like, oh, yeah, she's the GOAT. She's awesome. Directing debut. This is her first movie she's directing, and she decided to do on this story, which I didn't know was so prevalent, which, which I didn't know this story was so known about this one night where Malcolm X, Cassius Clay, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooke just – hung out in Miami. I didn't know like this was a thing. Is that a true story? This is a no, true I know, story. I know the event is fictional. No, this but, really happened. But no, no, like the the meet like they did hang out with each other. Right, that's right, real. Right. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. think the, the the interaction was fictional. Right. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, but they they're actually like friends though. Like this this that really I happened. didn't know. Yeah, that this I really happened, but like the the whole interaction what happened in the movie? I don't know. But they were really cool. That's the thing. That's the that's the important thing to know about, right? Uh, one thing I will tell you right now, Bastion. If we ever do a live show in Miami, right? And instead of celebrating, I do not ever want you to invite me to your room and we just talk and you offer me ice cream in a box. You understand me? We are in Miami. I want to party. Okay, I don't want to go back into a hotel and talk about ideas. Is it me or was it Malcolm X such a buzzkill in the movie? Was he such a buzzkill? He was such a buzzkill to me. I think this is all spoilers. Oh, 100%. This is all spoilers. spoilers, spoilers. So you want to leave the end. So if you want to leave, go right ahead, watch the movie, then come back to us so you can understand what we're saying. Exactly. Thank you for tuning the Black Seinfeld, all you podcast listeners for now. Yeah. What you're saying is a buzzkill. I think that's what makes it very interesting. Yeah. Because of it, it's the timeline where all this is happening. And as someone that, you know, I read Malcolm X's book multiple times, mm-hmm. unlike LeBron James, joke. Um, and then I understand, and I also read Muhammad Ali's autobiography too as well. I'm aware of Sam Cooke. I just didn't know so too much about Jim Brown. Mm-hmm. That's the only person I was very interested in because I didn't know much about him. So for all this to happen... I understood exactly what part of the timelines, like 1964. This was 1964. Yeah, because immediately, like in one year, two out of the four are dead. So. Yeah, yeah. So like for, for all this to happen, I'm just like watching it. It's like, wow. Mm-hmm. Of course, like the nation of Islam, the heavy handedness and the chill demeanor and like the more down to earth, no alcohol, no, you know, all the extra yeah. activities. Right. This was the one time we needed Detroit red to show up people. <laughs> if you were friends with him, like, nah, we need Detroit red right now. <laughs> and that's kind of one of the jokes. It's like, it's not the forties, like your forties slang. It's like, yeah. like they, they're aware that he, he used he, to be he, out here. He used to be out here in the forties. Mm-hmm. So I was like, 
I think they're they're looking into that too as well. Exactly. But as you say, he's a buzzkill. Such a freaking buzzkill, man! Like, first off, I didn't even know ice cream came in a box. The original? I, I think it's from the freezer. Yeah. A box freezer. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even know ice cream came in a box. Like, if I just if I if I'm the new heavyweight champion of the world, right? I don't want to hang out with my friends eating ice cream in a box, bro. I want to go out. <laughs> you understand? It, 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 it's like multiple things too, because that was the night where he wanted to come out converted to muslim at the nation of islam well yeah um cassius clay was thinking about um becoming a member of the nation of islam and converting to islam right and that's yeah. why he was so cool with malcolm x that's why they, they 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 were they were talking that's why they were such good friends right yeah yeah that was his uh spiritual advisor yeah in a way and it was, it was very interesting. One of the things I was more interested in, because I was watching this with my girlfriend, and she doesn't really have much knowledge on the nation of Islam. So most of the time we pause and I kind of explain oh, really? on it. It's, like, it's, it's very interesting, especially as a black person. It's just like yeah. the whole concept. What did she think about it? I'm interested to know. What was her, uh, her she thoughts? She thought it was a good movie, but like no, no, she but wasn't the sure nation what of some Islam. of this. The nation of Islam? It, yeah. I, I don't think it's something to understand today. Like. Okay. Our understanding of Nation of Islam is due to like hip hop, right? True. I'm a big Wu Tang fan, understanding the RZA, the Jizzas, like understands like rulers, zigzag, zigala, and just that, and just be th- living in in predominantly black black areas where you see where you see a man with a bow tie with the newspaper and some bean pies, like yeah, I'm J. Tronger fans, like five percenter, all that stuff. So it's like I'm aware of it. And I also wrote a whole essay about it too in college. Mm-hmm. So. I'm aware of everything that's happening. So I understand this kind of strictness and the code of everything. But I also understand the timeline. This is when Malcolm was getting ready to leave. So he mm-hmm. didn't trust a lot. He was nervous most of the time because he, he, he I think um, he felt death was coming. Yeah. So it was very interesting watching all this. Because and I thought the knew- character, like the actor, play that role very very well this high, like he's able to kind of show like the seriousness the happiness and also the ominous of yeah. like death is around the corner was it is it just me or did i i felt like the actor portraying malcolm x he he felt very denzel to me is that just me it's just you i think in we were probably thinking the same thing i thought that, he was watching the denzel one and like he was the, like, he was doing his best interpretation of that. That's just me. You could probably watch the videos and get the same thing Denzel got. Denzel was like very charismatic. If anything, then mm-hmm. it, it's it's very interesting because Denzel's ver- is he, he's like art complexion, right? Yes. Malcolm X is much, much, lighter. much, much lighter. Yes. So when this guy like this is closer to the truer complexion of Malcolm X <laughs> with That's the red true. hair and everything. That's the first thing I thought about. And that's what got me thinking about Denzel and watching the differences. I think it's just his, uh, if you want to compare Malcolm X's, this guy had more facial reactions. Yeah. Yeah. Then the other ones you see, like, this is Denzel playing Malcolm X. And this one's like, this is Malcolm X right in front of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. What was your, what was your thoughts on, Malcolm's message towards Sam Cooke 
who at the time didn't really have any like socially conscious records out right who 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 was making a huge difference on like a music business standpoint rather than like having a song that has impacted um has impacted our people right so sam cook's story was interesting in in the fact that you know he create well he was one of the first black people to actually create his own record label his own record company right and, and publishing too and publishing too which gave and he didn't rip off a lot of these black artists too which which is what a lot of companies still do now and especially did to black artists back then like atlantic records all all those sort of record labels right sam cook was the first black owned um music business to actually pay his talent really well and in actually and actually like giving giving bands like the beatles or like the rolling stones uh permission to sample certain songs that were on his label um these artists understood what royalties were and, and understood like how much money they can get off of just giving their their songs away to like these white bands right they, yeah they... i think that was my favorite story when he yeah. was talking about uh the bobby womack song yes and the rolling stones and it's like hey they're gonna do the cover and the minute their cover came out like his was just off the chart and disappeared and he was upset for six months then and then that's a royalty check and royalty check pays more than anything mm-hmm because every time they played a song, and also it's more plays since number one record. And I thought that story within itself, once I heard that story, I felt like Regina King wrote this movie to show the parallels of what's happening today. Mm-hmm. Because everything they discuss about in that room is very relatable in 2021. Yeah. 100%. Everything they discussed in the 60s, we're still struggling today. Of course, in a different way. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have someone like Malcolm X looking at Sam Cooke, thinking that Sam Cooke's like, yeah, you're in the media, you have all this platform, but you're not using it. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, out of all four of those people, Malcolm doesn't have the biggest platform. Mm-hmm. He's well known due to his controversies yeah. compared to his talents. Like what he said about uh, the the assassinated JFK and all that stuff. And, and, and... Martin Luther King at the time. Huh? No, no, no. No, it was, it was JFK. JFK. Yeah, I said JFK. Martin Luther King passed away, was assassinated before or after? After. MLK after. was assassinated in 68. 68, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, this was, even this, yeah, I think at that time he, he was he like, called hey, Martin let's, Luther let's, King let's, uh, Uncle Tom and all that. That was back then, right? No, yeah, at, at that time. Yeah. But later on, he was like, we should be peaceful. We should yeah, be of like course. in the same crew. Yeah, of course. But I'm talking like, at this time period at that time yeah as you were saying he was known more for his controversy like what he was saying about mlk and what he said about the president and that's so hilarious because if you compare that to today with the quote unquote cancel culture Mm -hmm. we have people that will like they're constant constantly hitting marks but sometimes they say something and people just lose trust in them altogether Mm, yeah and that's why i say all the time that in this day and age, I don't think this internet culture would allow Malcolm Little to become Malcolm X. Like, not at all. Because I think they would always bring up the fact that he was Malcolm Little and not focus on what Malcolm X is doing now. That's what I always feel like. Yeah, I think it, it kind of depends on how you reflect yourself as the person you are today. 
So if you talk to people as Malcolm X with explaining Malcolm Little, I think it's fine, right? Mm-hmm. But if you run away from the past, trying to delete it, ignore it, you know, try to you know distance yourself with all those friends of the past, that's when you constantly reflect on the mm-hmm. on everything. That's the way I look at it. Well, I don't know, man, because I feel like well, I'm not I'm not comparing Jay Z to Malcolm X at all, but. Jay-Z now is this like is was of course a rapper and now he's like this big businessman but then of course you still have people <coughs> Tommy Lauren who still view him as just a drug dealer which he hasn't moved weight since the 80s. You know no, but saying? that's different. Those are just commentary from a conservative party. They're there, well her and specifically in their role is just to stir arguments. Because remember, it stirs for a week then we stop talking about it. It's not like they continuously kept badgering at it. That's what I mean. Like, you know, some That's people, fair. if they if they lived one life before, then they live a different life now and they try to push it it's like, no, you can't ignore the past. You know, if, if you're you know, I, I think I've seen people, especially on most uh, they do interviews like, oh, I was a white supremacist, white supremacist before and mm-hmm. now I'm no longer. And now I'm taking people out. Mm. making sure they're no longer white supremacists like that person couldn't fake not his past his 20 years of his past like he has to look at the past in order to make the future better and making sure people don't you know do what he did and that's kind yeah. of that's what i mean it's like it's very relatable that's a good point his 60s not that long ago it's not it, no it's, it's no it's not that long ago and that's what makes it like very painful yeah you know yeah i, I 100 percent agree with you on that I feel like watching these movies, it's it's like how you're saying this stuff didn't happen so long ago. And the fact that people are still alive from that era still to this day, like I think that's very telling, very telling of the progression that has been made, but also the things that we still have to work on now. And I think that's why this movie is so great is because they take you back just in enough time where a lot of the conversation that has been had in that room is still prevalent to this day. Yeah. And that's kind of what I liked about it. Um, in the beginning of the movie, before they got to Miami, they kind of showed everybody what they're currently doing. And, and like Sam's uh, Sam cook at singing with the Copa and just had a terrible night. And also Jim Brown meeting the old friends. And it's like, you can't even get in the house. You know, that's just kind of show, like, even at the top of your height of whatever talent that you are, people are still going to treat you the same. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a very interesting way to kind of in- insert, like, just introduce every single character before they bring them to the center point. Yeah, definitely. I actually... After that movie, I saw the Netflix doc, Who Killed Sam Cooke. I don't know if you've seen it at all. I've seen it already. What did you think about about that film, about specific the specific details of his death? So I kind of, it's funny because Leanne knows a lot about Sam Cooke. Hmm. So out of all the people, like, she knows a lot about Sam Cooke. I mean, read the books. Because there's a lot of... Uh, Focus on Sam Cooke as being one that owns all his publishing and yeah, rights. The businessman, yeah, the businessman. He was sort of um, the blueprint to to what a lot of you know artists, especially black artists, aspire to to be. Yeah, you, you know? know, starting from the Chitlet Circuit. No, start what? Not Chitlet Circuit. I think like doing soul. 
Yeah. And just kind of doing secular music, right? Well, yeah, he, he started Nonsense. with a uh, gospel and then he, he branched out. He branched out. Mm -hmm. And but still had like the ears of both sides. Mm -hmm. So um, that documentary is very interesting. I do recommend people checking it out. And it, it's very like haunting mm -hmm. as a documentary. Because it, it, it kind of fits equivalencies like um, an artist that has so much to offer but didn't have a chance to get there. And because they were no longer there, a lot of events happened. Yeah. So we could assume that if this person was here today, certain things of the like right now wouldn't exist. Mm. So for him to be one of the first black artists to own publishing and have people under him, you can imagine like how huge it could get where the artists will get paid because yeah. one of the biggest thing about artists is like, they will have the hit record, you know, TLC, for example, they have the biggest hit record. They'll chart for like two or three albums for two albums. And none of them were ever paid. Left with they were nothing, in. nothing. But it's like, Oh, people don't get paid until their third album. It's like, what? Mm -hmm. But left with a couple cars that they didn't even own. Yeah. So that, that's kind of why Sam Cooke is very interesting. I think the more interesting thing about him was was like he knew something was up. He knew something was going on with the record label and who was owning all his stuff. So for him to like die, get killed, then everything about his label going a different direction. Mm -hmm. That that's what brings a, a very haunting tale to it. Yeah, but I think also the specific details and how he died. Right, he was with this this woman and she said she claimed it was self-defense because sam cook was attacking her so she shot him um and in looking further into the documentary it turned out that like she was like this well-known prostitute or whatever and and she was and she was connected to the mob and all that and they talked about the discussion that sam cook had with the mob because the mob wanted a piece of what sam cook was making and sam cook was refusing it all looks suspicious it definitely all looks suspicious and and in looking at you know the whole the sam cook doc as well it really also reiterated in my mind this suspicion of taking out prominent black figures right First, Sam Cooke was 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 the first one to go right, and Muhammad Ali already thought something was wrong, right? Then a year later, you have Malcolm X go, and then a couple years later, you have Martin Luther King go. So it was the silencing of prominent black figures that that was implementing significant change for the better for our people. And then for them to just get taken out quick, it always just left. I felt like there was just this core, this correlation to, to all three of them. Now that I understood what happened with Sam Cooke. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, they're, they're juggernauts within their, their form. Mm -hmm. And what Sam was trying to do, no one else could do it at that level. Yeah, they get the single, and it's like, all right, there's money coming, and he has the connections. Like they're able to even provide more for up and coming artists. It, it, it's just very strange. I, I think it's more strange that they actually put Bobby Womack in the film. Like they said the name Bobby Womack. Yeah, because <laughs> well, that mean... whole Bobby Womack situation is just like worse than hip hop situation. You know, it's like like no hip hop TV show could be as terrible as Bobby Womack. 
great musician was just like the worst human being ever. <laughs> oh man. So ironically enough, well not even ironically enough, I think what's powerful, right, is when you look at artists like Sam Cooke and 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 hell, even Tupac to an extent, right? Like their last song they ever recorded, right? Mm-hmm. Sam Cooke's last song ever recorded was A Change Gun Come, right? And quite eerily, like, this was like a swan song for, for Sam Cooke. I don't know if Sam knew that he was going to pass, but, like, for some reason, in listening to that song and finally understanding, like, yo, this was the last song he's ever recorded, I don't know, it feels like he knew like his time was limited, similar to the way Pac went out and his last song he ever recorded was Hail Mary. It just felt too eerie, right? That that's just to me. Felt way too eerie. I think it's only eerie now because of how we listen to the song. Yeah. And when it plays, it plays in a very moody, eerie place. Mm-hmm. Um, I could say the first time I heard that particular song was from uh, the Malcolm X movie directed by Spike Lee because they played the entire song when Malcolm X is walking from home and going ready to go to the mosque. Mm-hmm. And just like him, you know, they got the Spike Lee scene where he's just like floating and people stop and talking to him and stuff. Then he gets into the room and that's when he was killed. That was the song they played. So it has this very eeriness mm-hmm. to it. And even how they ended this movie by playing that song created this eeriness because you knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And the fact that they were friends, too, made it makes it now even more creepy. <laughs> yeah. And, and intentional, which I didn't realize back then. Exactly. They were like real friends. They were like they were homies. And I yeah. think that's why two of two out of the four. Well, yeah, that's why I feel like they were eliminated, too, because they were all cool, too. They, like, they, they, they were all homies? What? That's a problem. That's an issue. Yeah. And, for, yeah, it's, it's, it's just all, all together. It's just like a very, very great film for them to be in just in the room and talking about different perspectives. And those perspectives, you can still discuss them today Absolutely. with all those different angles as well. Like, yeah, you're here preaching, but I'm here like with the talent. And you're here with the boxing. You're here with the sports. Like, these are all different faces and we're all just trying to lead to the same place like the movement like yeah um jim brown he um he donated a lot of money to black-owned businesses yeah right that's what they're talking about muhammad ali ended up doing the same very prominent just continuing exactly what malcolm x did later on his his career yeah i think that's one of i'm sorry but i think this is one of the um the times where i watch these kind of movies that's sort of uh semi-biographical because like you know this is not going to be a good ending like at all right it's sort of like watching the black messiah that's going to be coming out soon the story about the black panthers but this but the um chicago chapter in fred hampton right it's like we know the ending is not going to be good like it's not going to be a good ending at all yeah, but, I've been hearing great things about that particular movie as well. You know what that what can save this movie from actually like like a good ending, right? 
So when Fred Hammond dies, right, we see the birth of one Sean Carter and then end it. All right, end that's it. not. I'm going to stop right, right there. I'm going to stop right end there. End it right there. At least give, me some, give me some hope here. Awful. That would be the. That's like black liberal ideology, bro. That's disgusting. Give me some hope here. <laughs> Come on, uh, you know, like, it's not going to be a good ending. No, no, it's going to be terrible. It's, it's going to be, be a awful. horrible ending. The dude ending. was 21, top yeah, of the dude. game, on top of the world. Like, he, he, he was moving people at 21. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's insane, the whole thing. Yeah, but, bro. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. I don't know if that movie's gonna come out by the time we record the next episode, but we'll we'll definitely look for something. To it's coming discuss. out. It's coming out this month on, on the fourteenth. Yeah, I think we'll. No, can watch the it. next episode will be the eleventh. Yeah, you're right. But the week after that, the week after twenty fifth, yeah, yeah. We will, you know, we could talk about that. Yeah. All right, Bastion. Well, thank everyone for tuning in for Black Seinfeld Show About Nothing. Uh, once again, if you enjoy this episode, please give it a like, give it a favorite, give it a share, tell a friend or two. Comments on the iTunes. Yeah. The iTunes podcast. Just comment on us saying that how much you enjoyed the show. Yeah, please. It kind of helps us. Star. The more comments, the more stars, the more likes, the more people view us. Yes. So, yeah. And Do if your you part and help out, please. And this last song is. Sam Cooke, his last recorded song, Change Gonna Come. Until then, we'll see you again next week. Take care. Stay safe. Stay warm in this cold weather. And, yeah, we love you all. Take care. Peace.
Yes, it will. 